0: So I guess I have to um, report on the um, on the uh, earpiece putting no? my my experience this time as I put on the earpiece. <laughs> it was very different than the last time a few days ago, a couple of days ago. Very different. I was surprised. I was uh, the last time I was like really plugged in and there was very spacious. Uh, Mind, very easeful, you know, like very content. You know, I, you remember I reported contentment. I was like, wow, well, that's enough. Just just being fully there for this, that's plenty of reality. And now as I was putting it, there was this fear about uh, talking. There was During the sit just before, there was a wave of fear that came. You see, the, the, the earpiece doesn't even stand, <laughs> right? <laughs> but there was a wave of fear and it stayed in the body. You know how fear... You know, there's a kind of sen- I would describe it as uh, acidity, and I can feel my throat is uh, dry. And uh, so, as I was putting the the, the earpiece, I could feel in the tingling in my hands, and also like I was not so like you know, it was like <laughs> a little a little um, awkward movements, you know, as I'm putting the earpiece, and I could feel here. A kind of um, almost a column of um, intensity in life, you know, like tingling, but uh, with intensity, even in my hands now, I feel it. And so it's interesting to see like, oh, very different experience. Like we would say that this was Pascal two days ago, putting the ear, earpiece, and this is Pascal putting the earpiece, but the experience is very different, very different. Um, I had um, a teacher uh, that I worked with who um, repeated, many times was repeating, You would say um, uh, how would you say this? The body doesn't know. The mind knows. The body has form, but it doesn't know. The mind doesn't have a form, but it knows. And he he repeated this many, many times. Every, every few days that I was with him, he, at some point he would say this. The body has form, but it doesn't know. The mind doesn't have a form, but it, it knows. And um, I think that's a, a kind of a maybe beautiful or almost poetic way to... Um, to talk about uh, uh, kind of uh, basic Buddhist psychology. In the Buddhist psychology, we talk about uh, mind and body. The terms we use uh, in Pali are Nama Rupa. So it's, it's the basic division in two of the human experience, of the reality from the point of view of a human being. It's mind this basic quality of knowing that we're experiencing right now, you know, you're in the middle of it. It's what knows and makes sense of what is said. It's what knows that sitting is happening. It's what knows light, you know. And so the materiality and the mentality, that's the way that in Buddhism, uh, reality is divided into like this. On this retreat, we wanted to explore the material, material side, but you know, in this first, um, uh, in this, uh, in this utterance, in this way of presenting it from the, my, uh, my teacher, the body has a form, but it doesn't know. The mind doesn't have a form, but it knows. You can see how there's a dance there huh? that they work together. Huh? There's a, a kind of a wedding (laughs) that happens, you know? And sometimes he would say yes, because if there was no mind, it would be just a corpse, you know, there would be materiality, there would be form, but it wouldn't know. On this retreat, what we aim to do is look at that side of reality, the material side, the sensations, the sight, the seeing of color, form the hearing of vibration, you know? and so we put, we try to put the accent on this and how can that, putting a- attention on that aspect of reality, uh, bring freedom. That's what we, uh, we're trying to look at, see. Yeah? And so uh, the material side the, is, uh, I think, also of the five senses, the seeing, the hearing. But it takes the two uh, Sometimes, I don't know if it's uh, a good analogy, but sometimes this mind-body, this dance together, sometimes it's a little bit like, um, I think of um, the blind guiding the paralytic. Do you know this? <laughs> you know, this? Confu- the mind is confused and it's saying to the body to do that, and so the body starts doing that, it says that, or it does that, and then it's, follows by regret in the mind, you know, and the body's all worked up because there's regret and there's agitation in the mind. And that's a lot of the our experience of life is like, oh my God, you know, like <laughs> these two are doing the best they can and it's a little bit of a mess around here, you know, <laughs> <laughs> creating havoc inside and outside. And, and what we do as we come here is we try to, uh, to cl- uh, clear up, you know, so, so there's a better reading of the materiality and the the we clear the mind also so so we they can really start to dance together really in and sway and meet reality you know with some kind of flexibility rather than all this like that mm-hmm. so my teacher would say the body has form but it doesn't know and and when we talk here, and we've been talking so much about the body, the body this, and the body that, and the body that, and at some point I, w- I was thinking, the way we use this word body, it almost seems like it's referring to something solid and permanent, and the body, your body, this is your body, this is my body, you know, and, and I was like, but when you calm down, when you get attentive, what is the experience, actually? The experience is the experience experience of a, there's no body, there's no name, it should be more of a verb kind of thing. Because, you know, like when I say putting the earpiece is an experience of ease and contentment and, and pleasantness, and putting the earpiece 48 hours or so after is an experience of awkwardness and tingling and intensity and, you know, the contraction that comes with fear. And this is what we call the body, Pascal's body two days ago and Pascal's body now when it's, uh, it's not, it's so changing all the time. So as we calmed down this week here and paid attention, maybe we started to discover this, our idea of the body being one form that doesn't change or very little over time, we discovered that it's actually constantly changing. It's a constant river of, you know, the body is what in a moment, it's a hearing of a sound, the next moment it's the sensation, in the need that I have as intensity, it's a constant river. I remember one time on a retreat on the East Coast, lots of snow, uh, cold, very cold day. I was walking back, I had gone on a walk, I was going back to the center and being very attentive. I had been very attentive for a few days, and on that walk, very attentive, and feeling the body walking, and feeling the cold, feeling. Whatever I was feeling, you know, and sometimes the brightness of the sky, you know, the and at some point there came this huge, um, uh, up the hill appeared with noise and color and appears this huge um, school bus. But now, there's, uh, this, right there on that street, there's no sidewalk. There's just a huge, um I should know about this being from Canada, the name of Bande Neige, Marie-Michel snowbank thank you i have my lovely assistant <laughs> marie michelle is a, a friend from montreal good friend um, and so there was this uh, pile of snow like this so i couldn't i It was not possible for me to move on the side, you know. And this huge thing was coming, and I had been coming and getting sensitive (laughs) for for some days. So it was like getting bigger and bigger by the second, this thing, huge. And then as it passed by, in the few, maybe seconds or uh, certainly seconds, but maybe minutes before, I had been in the lower part of my body really feeling the movement of feet and legs and suddenly as the bus passed by there was just the upper part of the body like the vibrating and the, and the intensity of the fear that you know like of this huge thing passing by like this and and I noticed wow there was no legs during that time there was no legs you, you know you would say like in theory there was or in some, 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 someone's reality there was legs you know but in the, from the point of view of experience, which is what my understanding of what we do in, the, in our Buddhist practice is, we become interested in, from the point of view of experience, what is the nature of reality—not what is maybe ultimately true or not true—but from the point of view of experience, what is the, what are the mechanism of suffering and the mechanism of ease, you know, and. And what is the experience of being in this world? So in this world, at that moment, legs didn't exist. And after the bus passed, suddenly there was leg came again. The experience was cha- river-like, like this. I might have my idea that there was legs, but th- and only I'm not trying to convince you sell the point that there was no legs. <laughs> I'm please, don't go so I was on that retreat. this <laughs> crazy kind of charming guy from Canada, tried to convince us there was no legs, you know. (laughs) From the point of view of experience, there was a, the the experience of the body was river-like. It was suddenly, the river took a bend. (laughs) You know, there was no more legs for a moment. And so we're invited in this practice to become aware of this, the changing nature of body. Pascal, whatever concept you have that is solid, how it's changing. So, tonight I want to talk a, a little bit more about the three characteristics that uh, Philip mentioned uh, last night, and I want to get a little bit more into this. Um, so, again, my understanding of what we're doing, or maybe what I have seem to have been doing over the years of practice, is um, certainly partly... Uh, going from being fascinated or attentive, maybe just attentive to the specific characteristics of phenomenon or object or experience, the specifics. Uh, So some, some things are heard, some things are seen, some things are big, some things are small. Some are blue, others are red. Some are far, others near. Some are gross, others subtle. Some are pleasant and some unpleasant. Huh? Do you see this, that in, a, in my experience of the world, I, I'm very interested in specificity, a lot around pleasant and unpleasant because I want more of this, I don't want more of that. Yeah. So, being caught in this, you know, like I'm go- going on the street. I remember going on the street with a friend not so long ago, let's say a couple of years ago, and being um, being in a kind of habitual or mindless mind, you know, like not it was not like super um, super mindful. And we were walking down the street and I just remember, especially me of the two, <laughs> going and uh, saying like, oh, I like that, I like that a lot, wow, that's beautiful, this balcony, the way it's made, and, uh, and oh, this I don't like, I don't like this, and and just walking, and just liking and not liking things, you know, and it was just, <laughs> we are going, and the senses were used just to like and not like things, and that there was not, nothing more, like, the senses were used just just to be fascinated by the specificity of, of things. And and m- my sense is that uh, part of the Buddhist practice is that instead of um, having the eyes and the senses being kind of kidnapped to uh, in, in, in service of greed and wanting and, and rejecting something that you might recognize in, in, in there, instead of having the senses used I think in Buddhism we would say to create suffering, to create entanglement and positioning and opinionating and all this. So uh, the the movement is more towards using the senses to free the mind, using the sight in a, we could say in a noble way, start to pay attention and see, so what's actually happening, yeah? And so uh, maybe becoming more um, balanced with what, Comes through the senses, you know. Learning how to let it come in, be touch. Still, maybe recognizing preference, but not going straight for the preference. You know, just uh, acknowledging what's happening. Becoming awake to the process of seeing, hearing, feeling. You know. Um, Do are you following me a bit here? Yeah. Okay. So, and more than that. Moving from the specific characteristics of things, when we get quiet and the attention refines, moving towards seeing their universal characteristics—what they all have in common. Yeah, and so many of you you will know what I'm, these characteristics and they were mentioned yesterday, and you know if, if you have some practice, you've heard about this. But it's good to. Uh, revisit this, because that's so much the the nature of reality, the fabric of our life, life is, and so hidden from our fascination with specificity. These characteristics are hidden all the time. And them being hidden, when suddenly they just reveal what was there the whole time, but it becomes apparent suddenly, we're in shock. So, the first characteristic is the characteristics of, of impermanence, and we kind of know this intellectually. Yeah, everything comes, everything goes. But there's a deeper way that we don't seem to get it. The way I don't, I see that I don't get it is, for example, today, this morning, before the first uh, s- the instructional sit, I went to walk up there, and there's this. Uh, many of you will have found the um, altar there with. Uh, um, It seems to be an an altar, uh, kind of a community altar about those who have departed and uh, it seems to be what's happening over there. It can be very touching to go there. So I've been there many times. I was just walking through to go on on, on the path and I looked at the kuan Yin that is a little bit further there. And there was a picture of a young man with a rock on on it. And I just lifted the rock and looked. And as I saw the picture of the young man, Knowing what this place is about, I I understood right away this person doesn't exist anymore. And then there was a little writing confirming this. But as soon as I laid my eyes on the picture, I saw youth, the young person at only 19 years old. And I was shocked. I could see, like I looked and there was a felt sense of shock. Like, wow. Like there's so much youth there. And that it's a strange way to put it, but doesn't exist anymore, that that being, are you telling me that this being doesn't ex- I don't know them, I've never seen them except this picture, but I could see that my mind was a little shocked. Wow, how could that be? It seemed to be pointing how it's not so deeply integrated, the fact of impermanence. I'm still surprised that somebody wouldn't be at some point, you know, And so, wow, things are impermanent, but I seem to miss, miss it at different places where I should maybe be aware of it. It would be good for me to be aware of this. yeah. And so here we start to see this as we calm down. We start to see how things appear and disappear. Emotions appear, are felt, and pass, you know. And we start to break the solidity of things. One of the ways, there's many ways that we break the solidity of the things, but one of the ways that uh, I find I'm happy that it's, it's, there's more clarity about this is um, in the past, and still probably a lot of the time now, I used to think that, let's say, I'll, I'll, I'm hearing a sound a sound comes in the ear and I recognize bird, you know, and I see a bird. And after I think, start thinking about the bird, if my attention is not very refined, I will think that this is the same thing, that the thought is the same thing as the sound, that this is all the bird. I hope the bird is safe, you know. It's all the same thing. But these are different events. Okay, you'll say, well, f- you know, Okay, okay, Pascal, you're getting technical. No. Because, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, because one of the, uh, uh, I think it's Joseph who says that, or maybe he heard it from another wise being, but anyway, there's this thing that we've heard many of us many times, is like, the thoughts of your mother are not your mother. And we we get mixed a lot of the time so i go down eat a good soup and i come back here oh that soup the soup to me if i'm not so attentive it's the w- it's the one soup but one was actually taste inside and the other one is a production of an image in the mind you know and then i long for the soup and the- but the soup was actually an event that was a river like event <laughs> like soups are you know there was a flow of uh, sensation that disappeared you know and i don't know but for me it's important to clarify this more and more that oh actually this happened and disappeared you know and it it's gone it goes things go all the time they change they're constantly changing and going one of the things that happens to me kind of emotionally when I'm really aware of this is suddenly things become unique ephemeral and somewhat precious Wow this whatever this is like this meeting here is ephemeral this is going to, and some of you, I think, I hope it is, because <laughs> I can't stand this <laughs> 48 hours more, and I hope it's ephemeral, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but <laughs> but it, is, it is ephemeral what's happening here. It is constantly changing. And to get attuned to that level of reality makes things a little bit outstanding. Are you with me on this? Yeah? So meeting with somebody... Is unique. It could easily not have happened. It can. It's going to dismantle. Plus, if I'm in my habitual mind, this is the same person again. You know, I'm just seeing this old same person—the mate, the, the roommate, the housemate, the whatever it is. You know, and I'm just. But if I'm aware of change, then there's this added value. What? Who are you now? I've never seen you now before. You know. This. So, the impermanence, we want to plug in this. So, f- and the focus goes from the specificity of what's happening here, as I sit here, to the changing nature. Oh, sensation comes and it's past, and a sound comes and it's past. And as I sit here day in and day out, and I see passing all the time passing thoughts, passing impressions, passing emotions passing sounds, something can start to relax maybe. Wow, there's no need to get so worked up, you know. Clearly it's passing. Even while it's there, it's passing. When my mind gets really quiet, I like to see the river nature of sight. Like if I look at the bell and my mind is quiet enough, I'll see that what I think is a solid bell that doesn't move, and you're like, okay, that's the place where there's no constant disappearance. Well, if you put your attention on seeing, not on the bell, but on seeing, there's a river of seeing. Seeing keeps happening. Do you see what I mean? As I look even at the floor, The seeing has to happen again, otherwise it it disappears. You know, in time I I see the floor and I see the floor and I see the floor. There's a river of seeing that is happening. So that's even, I think, more refined way to see this. Wow! Even what doesn't move from the point of view of experience is flowing by. The present moment constantly disappearing. Don't try to catch the present moment. It's, it's in its nature to be flowing, to disappear. And here's another one, and another one al- already. Yeah? So in our attention, we, become, we start to see this. It's not so important that it's heard or seen, or pleasant or unpleasant, or this or that, you know. It's definitely passing, passing. Another characteristic that we start opening uh, to is the um, the characteristic of dukkha. Dukkha is from the best way I have to translate this is the incapacity that things have to satisfy deeply. This one. I love to talk about it because there's something, it's intriguing how, okay, so you're telling me that nothing is satisfying and that is supposed to be freeing and going towards happiness. Can you develop a little bit? (laughs) It's not clear, (laughs) the link is not clear. Things being impermanent, passing, Maybe just for that reason, they cannot provide lasting satisfaction because they're ephemeral. They're passing. It's in their nature to pass, yeah. and so anything that you that we experience, uh, it says in this teaching, and you have to f- uh, check it out for yourself. It says that nothing that will be heard, seen, touch, or t- touching us, or not, nothing will bring complete freedom or complete satisfaction, it's not in its nature to do that. It just, it, it's, not, it, it's, it's not in its function. It doesn't do that. Why do I like to talk about this? Because for me, it's, it's very real and it helps me align with reality. Because I'm constantly being a fool, constantly being deluded. This, when I get this, it's really going to satisfy me when I get, finally get this relationship, job, whatever, to get to the dinner tonight with these friends, you know, it's really going to be satisfying. Well, no, it doesn't have that capacity. It can be pleasant, it can be the right thing to do, it can, it can be many things, but it doesn't have the capacity to deeply satisfy. That is amazing to me. I want to know if, it, if it's true, I want to know that. Because that's how I will find freedom. I will let go of false expectation. But I really thought when I said yes in front of the priest, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but I really thought when you, you know? And no, because it can't, you know? It's not a reason not, not to do things and not to get engaged in the world, but it's good to go in going, knowingly, with, uh, knowing whatever, the word would be wisely, you know, knowing, oh, it's not because it's, it's changing all the time. It's fluctuating. It's unstable. Things are unstable. You eat one thing one time. It's amazing. I think Philip was referring to something like this yesterday. And, okay, that's it. I found my ice cream flavor. After 46 years of looking, I have found it. You go next week. Suddenly, because of the meeting you had just before, and, or what you ate earlier, or the mood you're in, you're like, well, yeah, somewhat, you know. <laughs> it's still the same recipe, but th- things are changing all the time, you know, and it cannot even provide, yeah. In this way, it's un- reality is unstable, shaky, and... Uh, and so we know this from uh, this, uh, maybe I'll take a few minutes to talk about the three, we divide often dukkha, unsatisfactoriness in three, into three types. The dukkha, dukkha, that is really easy to, um, to, to know. We all know it really well. It's all the things that we don't like that are difficult to be with. They're clearly not satisfying. You know, when you say that, this is clearly dukkha, dukkha. <laughs> you know, it's clearly not satisfying, you know. That pain here is clearly not satisfying. Okay, I agree that that all these things being felt and heard, some sounds, you know, are clearly not satisfying. We, we know that. Yeah? Do you... Okay. I have to say that. I, I knew I I tried to avoid it, but... The mind being having a life of its own. I'm going to say this. A few years back, I went to a, a theater festival, and um, and there was a, a a play from England, and uh, the name of the company was um, Forced Entertainment, and they were kind of exploring the nature of entertainment. What are the edges? What is entertaining? What is not? Where <laughs> where does it? T- <laughs> which I think is a very interesting thing to do. You know if. I mean, we thrive so much on entertainment, it's interesting to research that. And so the, the play that they presented that night was going on and on and on. But the first number kind of was very interesting. Somebody came and in front here and they said, Hey, welcome. We're going to have a great night of entertainment tonight together. And so please just relax. Uh, we're going to entertain you. So do not think about anything disturbing in your life. You know, do not think about um, the weather has been really shitty here for many days. Don't think about this. Do not think about uh, parking. Worst place in the whole of Canada, apparently, to park for, you know, breaking in the cars and stuff, this area. Do not think about this. Do not think about anything related to health, you know, and disease and uh, the things like this. And uh, Oh, family, you know, family tensions and things. Don't think about this. <laughs> and uh, this woman was going on and on and on, and people were starting to leave, you know, like. <laughs> they were clearly, you know, and, and I was sitting there, I was like, wow, they have to be Buddhist, you know, like. <laughs> To know so thoroughly. And and she went, I mean, there was no, like she named the whole of the dukkha (laughs) dukkha. But then after, and it took me some time, but after, after, I was like thinking, oh my God, that was just the first level. (laughs) I have to, you know, get in contact with them and explain to them, no, we have much more. (laughs) In my world that I come from, (laughs) we have a lot more. We have the dukkha of change that I was, partly naming earlier, like a few minutes ago. So even what is known as pleasant is also as dukkha in it, not in the sense terms of suffering, but unsatisfaction, because it's shaky, it's passing. Like just a little thing that comes to mind around this. I was meeting with somebody, and I think it's okay to share this. The person was saying... uh, you know, I'm sitting in the hall, but really what I want to do is be in the hills, you know, because that's where the pleasantness, is, you know, that's, that's you know, it, nature is so connecting and and uh, and that's where I want to be. And you can see in that that, you know, the hills are pleasant, but they're not always accessible. And of course, that uh, retreating could you know, just skip that sitting and go, nobody's going to go get them, you know, like they, but still, you know, like there's, an, you know, we're trying to do something here, so I'm trying to do it also, but, you know, so it's, suddenly the pleasantness of the hills is not accessible because I want to really commit to what I'm doing and, you know, but it escapes, you know, like it's pleasant, but I don't, so it, now it builds a kind of, there's a frustration factor that comes, you know, because it's there, it should be available, but it's not really because I really want to do this, you know, and so the relationship with the pleasant becomes, you know, and if you go and you enjoy it, and you come back, then it's gone, you know, and and so there's, there's this, um, and it doesn't mean there's no uh, gratification and enjoyment, there is, you know, it's not, Trying to annihilate that. It's just saying, like, wow, what an amazing predicament we are in as human beings. Things pass all the time. So there is something beautiful arising, and whoops, it's in its nature if it comes together to come apart, you know? And it it goes. Yeah. And so that's the second kind of dukkha and satisfaction from, from the things changing. Even when they go well, sometimes they don't change, they're still going well. But there's the fear, the no, even unconscious knowledge that is, it's going to end. And I'm a little sad about this, even though I'm still there with you, or still there at this place where I like to be. Sometimes it's like this, you know? And I see this sometimes with, uh, you know, I'm with my friends who have young kids, and we're having fun, we're laughing, and, I, and suddenly there's like, you know, because the kid is doing something and we're afraid that they're going to, we kind of know that everything is safe, but it could very well change, you know. We're aware of this, that things are fragile in this way. And often they work out really well, but still it's part of the human predicament to know, wow, it could change, you know. It's unstable. The last bit of uh, the third part, can you take more dukkha? <laughs> the last part is, is about this, about what is conditional what comes because of conditions has the nature to undo and so it's it's it has it has the some complications in it you know and um maybe i'll just talk about just the body you know like here having five senses it's not so much about uh, it's having five senses i think i was saying this in the meta practice it means we have five doors Always open in Buddhism. There's six. There's even the mind is considered the door. So being in the middle of a, a being a sensitive being is a predicament because there's this when this body is formed, you know, it comes together, appear. You don't choose it so much. You don't choose the form. You don't choose the feelings it has all the time. You maybe can help in some ways, but you don't have control. Yeah. And so the things are, uh, we don't have control over things. So we don't have control over what comes through the ears, what comes through the mind, what, comes, what sensations come, you know? And so when we sit here, we become aware of this. We, we call this the sankara dukkha. That's the word that we use in Pali for it. Like having a body, we say that that kind of dukkha will be hidden by movement. You move all day we 're moving, moving, so we don't feel the difficulty of having a body, but sit here thirty minutes it's going to become apparent that having bones is a difficult situation to be to be in you know <laughs> having a butt is a difficult situation to be in you know having being made of elements of weight and it's not an easy situation to be in the the, the the noble work that we're doing is actually r- realizing this, be coming to terms with this. Oh, it's like this, it's like this. Can I bring acceptance to this? Not avoid, Not you know? And see, oh yeah, that's how it is. Things change. Oh, that's why it is. Sometimes I'm caught, uh, the Buddha in this description of dukkha would say, we're often separated from what we want. We're often stuck with what we don't want. You know, We come in contact with what we don't want. That's the nature of reality. I like to talk about this because then I can align, oh, it's, it's not me, it's not the other. Maybe, it, maybe it's the nature of reality that sometimes things don't turn out as, I want them, they are suddenly unpleasant. Or it's the nature of reality that they do change. Or it's the nature of reality that, It's not perfectly comfortable to be in this being, in this body and mind, you know. And if I can have that knowledge and bring a wise response to it, an appropriate response, then it says that I can actually experience freedom. A freedom of somebody who can be in the middle of the reality that they find themselves in, you know. Being able to engage, not resenting, not being disappointed, that's not what I expected of you, life, you know? Wow, this is what's happening. Um, the last characteristic, salata, huh? so the impermanence, the unsatisfactory nature of events and phenomena and things, and and then the other thing very profound teaching. S- uh, suddenly again, we go from the specificity of things to ch- seeing their changing nature, seeing the ultimately unsatisfying, incapacity to completely satisfy nature. Yeah, we sc- start to see this. Today I saw, I came f- almost face to face with a deer like we didn't see each other until we did. And, <laughs> and we were like 10 feet, about 10 feet away from each other. And you know? suddenly so we all both went like, whoa, <laughs> that is a close encounter. And, uh, and, and, uh, and the, the deer jumped and disappeared behind the bush. And for a second, I was really happy that I was so lucky to come so close to a deer. And right after... I was disappointed because it could have been even closer, you know? <laughs> and right away... <laughs> anyway, why am I sitting, saying this? Anyway, so these, the, these two characteristics of anicca, the impermanence, and the dukkha, the incapacity to... Oh yeah, even meeting a deer very close is, doesn't even do it, you know? You want a little closer, you know? Um, And then the last characteristic that starts to emerge, instead of the specificity of what's happening, suddenly I tune in the universal characteristic of anatta, not self, not really possible to own this. It's not because it's passing by. It's passing by and it's also conditional. It condition make it... uh, come here and then whoops, go. Whatever inner or outer cannot completely be owned because it's just passing when the conditions are right. And so there's nothing I find as I slow down and become aware that there's nothing I can own. I used to think my feet, but when I slow down and become really attentive, this is a river of tingling. How could I own, claim that? If I'm really attentive from the point of view of experience, there is this every little point of tingling is always disappeared. It's a river passing. I cannot own that. It's there. Clearly, it's there. Clearly, I have to take care of that. Clearly. But it's not really mine. Nothing is really mine. In the buddhist teaching we say if we're mistaken if we miss that universal characteristic and we really think it's mine i get i own it or i identify with it this is mine or this is me if i truly think that this is ultimately true i'm gonna suffer check it out for yourself but it's said that anything that you truly claim as your own and you don't realize how You know, people say, oh, sometimes people say, Pascal, I love your accent. You know, when I go back home after the retreat, I start noting or giving myself instruction in some kind of French Canadian accent, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and they, you know, and I could get identified with, this is my accent, you know, no, it's conditional. It depends on where I was born and how it came to be. You know, I cannot really own it. It's there, it's definitely there, but it's conditional. I once was uh, really, I didn't know that, I was really identified with health. I was a 25-year-old uh, uh, person, young person that was, uh, loved sport, was very healthy. doing, And I, I didn't know that I was identified. I, I, I had missed the universal characteristics of impermanent and conditionality and not possible to own and not there forever. And suddenly one day, so maybe some of you know, I went to the doctor and the doctor said, hey, it's not looking good. You know, you, you actually don't have an immune system anymore. It's gone. You know, you have a virus and it took over your health, you know, and there's no more health, you know. So you have to t- start taking medication and antibiotics because anything can come in. And, you know, and suddenly the health, that I was identified with, who are you? I'm an healthy person, you know, was gone. And suddenly even there was at that moment there was almost we could say from the point of view of experience, imminent death was coming, you know, like there was a life threatening disease that would at that on, at that year and these years was definitely leading to death in a few years, you know. And suddenly there was a lot of confusion because I had been identified with things that were conditional. Health is conditional, it comes together and it falls apart at some point, you know. And it was not really me, but it was there and there was a need to take care of it, but suddenly it was not mine anymore. And I know that you know that in your own experience in some ways through health or through, I thought that I was, we were one, And suddenly you're going off with somebody else, (laughs) you know? And so I thought you were mine or we were we and we're not, you know? Like things come together. So in any way that I identify, oh, I'm I'm that role. And suddenly I lose my job and I define myself without knowing it. I was really an actor, a doctor. And conditions become such that I'm not that anymore, you know? There's not... And I'm like, who am I? A father, a mother, uh, you know? And oh, I've been mistaken, you know. This this came together. It was conditional. It was something appearing. It was not really who I am. It was it was there, and I had to play that role. But it's not ultimately who I am. I don't know if I think. Yeah, I can I can feel in the room some some something. Here, talking about these three characteristics, we're talking about reality as it is. And so often when we talk about this, that's why suddenly we become very attentive because it's a description of what's really happening that we miss all the time. We're kind of deluded around that. In the work around the four elements, uh, you could read, I think pro, I think it's the Buddha and I'm gonna paraphrase like I always do, but uh, anyway, in that Buddhist wisdom, whoever said it, they say, um, uninstructed beings, that's, you know, somebody who has not refined their attention and clarify what is what in life, the nature of reality. So probably us, many of the, a lot of the time, you know Uh, untrained beings, they feel the earth element. They feel it, the hardness on the legs right now or something like this. They feel it and they recognize it as earth element. You know, like, oh, that, I mean, you might not use the term earth, you know, but you think, oh, you know, I feel the hardness, you know, you feel it. But they make this small mistake. They go a little further and they say, this is mine, this create suffering this is suffering and it says and wise beings who have done their work you know have paid attention have clarified this they recognize earth element there's hardness but they stop there there's hardness yeah earlier when i was sitting here during the sit before the the talk suddenly there was this wave of fear that came It's interesting because I I don't think I was thinking about the fact that I was going to speak, but I don't need to think about it. There's something in the body that (laughs) knows that this is coming, you know. And suddenly, you know, it's known to be one of the fierce public speaking. And and so suddenly there was this rush of... uh, I was just sitting there being attentive, or at least I didn't notice the, the, the thought for sure. I didn't notice it. But suddenly there was this... It became really solid and, and it was unpleasant and and uh, intense, intense maybe six seven on a scale of ten you know like a, uh, and so but it was there you know and and suddenly, there was just about the moment where I could have taken it on i 'm afraid what if they don 't what if I you know get disorganized and can 't really pass on this message you know and I was just about to go there, and then I thought maybe attention to the body could be a good idea here, you know, and then I came down and suddenly there was this tingling and this, I described it earlier, this column of uh, intensity, that's how it was felt, you know, and very vibrant, uh, unpleasant. And then I started to be attentive to it and to take it just as what it was, a river of sensations, not me, but clearly there, no doubt, and for me, this is the middle path. I don't fall in the extreme of me-mine, and I don't want in the extreme of something like, God oh, it doesn't count, it's things, I don't know. I go in the middle way, which is taking care of it. There's something here happening, let's take care of it, let's be attentive. And so suddenly there was just, suddenly life was there. There was life, there was this river of things happening, and then joy came. There was joy because there was, because of having done some of the work, not at the end, believe you, me, but having done some of the work, there is the confidence, oh, this can be met we 've been in that, a situation like this before, where there's intensity, it can be met, you know, and so suddenly there was confidence, there was presence to it, and there was this life, and it was and uh, it was totally fine, and then it did this wave like thing, like all fluctuating things of the universe do. It arose, peaked, and suddenly morphed into something. Um, now we would reach the end, but I would like to give a. I, I, do you have still a little energy for a five minute more? That's kind of plenty. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Just because it's interesting, that in the work around the elements, uh, one of the teaching is that they 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 have cause dif- different causes and there are not many causes there are four causes that cause the elements the elements being the you know the spaciousness air quality the lightness that you feel or the heaviness that you feel and in these stitching it says it comes from food nutrients or nutrients from the sun you know we are the materiality that we experience it comes from food that is digested and becomes this form, and the fire, the fire of the sun or the fire of the digestion. And these two, very interesting, and I'm going to finish with this. It comes from consciousness or from, you could say, intention tonight. So I want to say this just because the color of your mind will create an experience of the body. Have we not seen this this week? Fear arises in the mind, suddenly column of intensity here and tingling and awkward putting of earpiece, <laughs> you know, so the experience of the body comes from the coloring of consciousness. You sit here, there's suddenly the mind gets quiet and attentive and whoops, there's a something that was there pressing on the heart is relieved, you know, or, or lightness is experienced. Yeah? Or intention being the fourth one is I have an intention to come on retreat. So don't be surprised if there is pain on the butt because there was an intention to come here, you know? So there was something mind, the mind said, let's go on retreat. So now you have this experience of the body, of a body sitting on a cushion, you know? So our intention creates form, it creates form. I want to, there's an intention to boil water. At some point water will boil. You know, so it's the mind, that's the dance that I started with, you know. The the mind has an intention, you know. I have the intention to hurt, suddenly I'm sitting here and why is there so much agitation and I can't meditate, you know. I'm busy justifying or uh, remorsing or, you know, there was an intention. And so in this practice, we become aware of the quality of the intention, which one are liberating and which one are entangling, Yeah. We become aware of the quality of consciousness, which consciousness is entangling and which is liberating. And being attentive is the first wholesome way to actually tend towards what is liberating. Being attentive, I can notice, oh, not helpful. Not I can release that resentment and try to you know, maybe bring a little forgiveness or intend in that way. Oh, it does bring a little ease, you know. Um, And none of this is ours, really. But we do take care of it. So, okay, I think that's enough words uh, for this evening. So let's just take a moment and... uh, See if we can notice uh, specificity or universality. In the same way that uh, sometimes there are sounds outside being heard, and they're not yours, but just definitely there, is it possible to feel something in the body and recognize, oh, there is tinkling. Maybe not mine, although really there, in the same way that sound outside is not my sound. and the care for what's happening, not abandoning, not caring for what's happening, but giving it back its freedom to be the universe manifesting. May we all find... uh, Find freedom that is unconditional. May we all feel freedom in the midst of the elements, however they show up. For your kind attention. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit slash donate.